Welcome back to the Granite Zero podcast. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Ico. If, like me, you like the taste of energy drinks, then you really need to get yourself some Ico. Not only does it taste amazing, but it gives you a longer-lasting energy boost without the jitters or crash that most energy drinks give you. And it's environmentally friendly as well. For me, it's an amazing tasting iced tea. But the goal is simple. Healthy lifestyle and environmental regeneration. Help save the planet and get an energy buzz. So check out Ico at icodrinks.com. You're welcome. This podcast is also brought to you by Infusion CBD. Now, Infusion, yeah, is award-winning CBD. It's fucking amazing. And what do you say to me, Tomo, you keep going on about CBD. Now, CBD is brilliant. Not only does it help with all sorts of mental health issues, from PTSD, depression, anxiety, but also things like sleeping disorders, eating disorders, body dysmorphia, and much, much more. For me, I use it for the fucking agony of my joints, in my ankle ligaments, my knees, my lower back. I use the muscle rub. That's what I use because it fucking helps me day to day. It's amazing. Now, I've been through so many different CBD companies. The one that's really tickled my ball bag, that is Infusion CBD. So make sure you check them out. I'm putting the promo code GRANITE15 at checkout and get 15% off. Now, joining me today on the Granite Zero podcast is a U.S. Army veteran, author, and podcaster. Yeah? She's amazing. She's been through so much, and the chat itself, fucking awesome. Uh, we went through everything from the broad spectrums of being a female in the military to all different sorts of mental health issues. So it was an absolute privilege to have her on. So without further ado, welcome to the Granite Zero podcast, Lani Hanskis. Check it out. Welcome to the Granite Zero podcast. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Ah, pleasure is all mine, as always. He says as he's still sorting out his shit admin. So how's it going? How's it going? Well, like I was saying, just another day, just hanging out. Yeah, well, it's what time's over there now? Like lunchtime, isn't it? Yeah, it's about 1.30, uh, so 13.30, however anyone wants to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Depends if you're if you're a military speaker or not. But yeah. yeah, it's all good. It's all good. How's your day been so far before we get straight into the nitty gritty? Just hanging out. It's Mother's Day here, so it's just me and my yeah. four-year-old. Oh, having awesome. Having a regular day, I guess. I mean, it's not like she knows the difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. That's cool, man. It, that, that always confuses me, because over here, our Mother's Day is like March. Why is it different? <laughs> Fucking madness is what it is. Madness. It is, it is. So what have you got? You got a little girl? Yeah, I got a four-year-old girl, and... Uh, Dad's in the military, so it's just it's just us right now. Ah, oh, sweet, sweet, yeah. Um, it's a, it's an amazing age, isn't it? Like for like it is my, for them. Yeah, for them, for <laughs> us, for us, nothing but stress, definitely. Yeah, my mine are, uh, well, my eldest is nearly ten, my youngest is seven. So it's like, yeah, I've got all the attitude, all of it. <laughs> it's like living with two teenagers mine but... was born with attitude <laughs> mine came out with attitude so everybody keeps saying oh it's gonna get better and she's like will uh, it though does doesn't it <laughs> doesn't though doesn't get any better no just full of, just full of preteen sass that's what that's what we have preteen but were you were you no. the same as a kid do you think because whenever i look back i'm like i wasn't i wasn't that much i wasn't a bad kid I didn't back chat my parents. Definitely did, 100%. But in my head, definitely didn't. Yeah, I think we always look back and it's just like, ah, yeah, I was a good kid. Yeah. <laughs> they'll look like, back and they'll go, I know my parents probably have it. Yeah. yeah. I, I know I didn't have as much sass as my daughter does. I was a little bit shyer. Than, I was a lot shyer than she is. But yeah, she, uh, she was getting from her dad. It ain't yeah. me. <laughs> Just blame the dad. That's always the way. It's like my my missus is always saying, "Oh, they've got they've got my temper." It's like, why am I getting the blame? Not my fault. Blame, and I'm like, well, blame my dad. How about that? Just keep it going down the line. Yeah, down the line, down the line. Generational. So, so you how long how long did you serve in the uh, U.S. Army? I did four active and two in the reserve. It was supposed to be an eight-year contract, but uh, they threw me a little deal where it's like, hey, if you go to the reserves, we'll cut two years off your contract. Uh, so got, I was yeah. like, oh, can't beat that. And then I went to the reserves. I was like, oh, <laughs> you could have beaten that. <laughs> yeah, cheers for that. Nice one. Yeah, because we we have a, a similar sort of thing. So I did, I did five and a half, but instead of doing like an active reserve, it's like, it's just on your record. So if we get called up for anything, then we get called up. Um, but other than that, it's just being in the civvy street, you know what I mean? Yeah. How did, how did you find the transition from uh, military to civvy? Do you find it all right? I, 
Oh, it was crap. <laughs> and like, if it, it could go wrong, it went wrong. And it was like, they give you all the brochures about like, this is how transition works. And it's like, no, it's not. It, no, it's not. No, it's exactly the same over here. Apart from they pretty much just go. So, so we have a thing that's called like enhanced learning credits. So basically for anyone that's in the infantry <laughs> and didn't have any fucking school degrees or whatever, um, you could you could get a trade, um, that sort of thing. But what I found was most of the military then go, oh, I'll just get into the same sort of thing. I'll, I'll go into like security work and things like that. So it's pretty much here's what you could do. Crack on. It's like, oh, cheers. No that guidance. was the whole time. Yeah, that was the no. whole thing going in. It's like your your job's going to make you awesome when you get out. And then you yes. find out nobody wants you. Like you, <laughs> It's trash. Like, yeah, it's nothing. They yeah. build it up yeah. just so you can be broken down again. <laughs> so it's it's a strange it's a strange transition. You can kind of see why so many struggle with the transition. Seeing as it's uh, May is mental health awareness month or whatever even though it should be every month but that's just that's just me on that one um no definitely should be yeah i definitely um but yeah you can definitely see why veterans come out and they're like what the fuck is this i think a lot of it has is is down to having structure like i i enjoy having set times to get to do stuff otherwise my ocd and my the row season shit just goes through the roof and I'm like, what the fuck? And I start pacing and, and, and yeah. whatnot. It's a, it's a little too much freedom at the mm. end. Like it, it's, which too is a much strange, it's a strange thing time. to say though, isn't it? It's too much. Yeah, it's, there's definitely a thing too much because when you're used to that structure and it's just like, I had friends that got out and they, they needed somebody to kick their door in the morning to tell them to get the hell up and go to their job. And uh, it'll, kind of eliminates a lot of thinking because it's like you're going to put on the same uniform do the same thing it's a pretty redundant life and so there's a yeah. lot of simplicity to it because it's just same thing different day and then you get out and it's just like i have all this time and yeah. no one's going to make a decision for me so i just have to figure it out but i don't know what the hell i want to do or what i'm good at anymore and you kind of don't know who you are at when you get out because you've been associated with this military thing and it's like so who am i outside of that yeah yeah and that is that that's a huge thing because that was one of my my issues was the um i, I lost myself i didn't know who i was because i was always associated with wearing the uniform being in the military people asking me what tomo what do you do for oh i just got back from iraq or i've just got back from Afghanistan. I'm I'm getting ready to go to a, another, do another thing. I'm going on exercise, that sort of thing. And then it was, so what do you do? Oh, I'm I'm a security officer. So oh, nobody really cares. And that lack of self worth, self importance. I don't know. That that really that really that was one of my main factors of why I started to struggle when I left. Yeah, for me, it was like that sudden lack of value and a lack of purpose. It was like, I don't really know. You're kind of just floating through the day. It's like, I don't really, when people would ask me, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm in the army. They let it be that. Like, that's all you had to say. It's like, that's good yeah, enough. Yeah. You're a good yeah. person in society. Congratulations oh, so, for what you do. So you fight for, you fight for the country? Yeah. Yeah. 
you're good. And then you get out. I'm like, oh, you know, I go to school full time and stuff. And they're like, oh, so yeah, you're a oh, bum. <laughs> yeah, so, so you're, you're a student. Uh, okay, so you do nothing but yeah, eat, it's a, eat, eat Doritos cool. and drink beer all day. So. And then there's that idea like, oh, because you're using your GI benefits. Oh, it must be nice to go to school for free. And like, and so it's just kind of like, and then it makes you feel worse. Like, I know I definitely had that point of kind of questioning, like, do I even deserve what I worked for? Like I went to the military for this. Now I have it. And now people are making me feel guilty for having it. But it's like, yeah, I did my time. It ain't free. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely not free. It's not free. So what um sort of was the, was the, starting point for you to to join the military lack of purpose i, I mean i was i had started going to school i had i was almost done with an associate's degree i was an art student and then my parents started going like especially my dad my dad was a vietnam veteran and he's kind of like what the hell are you going to do with an art degree and i was like i don't know <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's a good that's a- uh, <laughs> you know i didn't think about it that far i guess nothing and so it kind of got to that point where it was like, okay, like, so my day was literally go to school, go to the beach and go surf. And it's like, how long can I live that life? Yeah. And then it was like, it's not going to get me out of my hometown. And I was pretty miserable where I lived. So it's just like, I had friends that were going in the military and it seemed like the quick fix for my issue. Like I need yeah. a purpose. I need some direction. I need somewhere to go. I really need a job and some money. And so I had a buddy that's kind of like, hey, it's the best nine to five you could ever ask for. Like, oh, <laughs> is it, oh is that it? Up. <laughs> yeah, that's basically how it went down. I was like, here, sure, I'll, I'll join. And then it was never that. It was like within a few months of joining, I was in Afghanistan. It was just like, I, I seriously asked for this. Like, yeah. all yeah. right. But it was still that idea of like, but I feel like I have some value now. So like, I'll deal with the BS because it's like, I'm worth something now, right? I have a job. I'm like doing something for society. So that was the big thing. I just felt worthless without it. Yeah, it, it does give you that that sense of purpose. It's, it is a. It does make you feel good putting on the uniform. I must admit, and uh, yeah, I, I, I was in a similar sort of narrative. Really, it was like, what am I going to do when I leave? Because I think I our version of college is slightly different to yours. Our university is the same as your university, but college, because you, that's right, isn't it? You guys call university college. I'll, I'll get confused, but. Um, I mean, it kind of, like college, a lot of times people are like, it's the community college. It's your two-year yeah, yeah. institutions. And then university is usually your four-year. Yeah, so we, we have, um, it's, it's basically the, 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 middle, the middle gap between high school and university we have like a like a, it's called a sixth form college or a technology college where you get your third the next stage after your first set of um qualification anyway that is the most boring thing i've ever spoke about on this show but anyway so I, I just completed that i was working for my dad at the at the gym and i always had i, I was always going to join the air force at some point but it was like i remember it was one day we were painting the banisters in the gym and I was like, this is, this is shit. And my dad started going, you got to bloody paint these buttons. I was like, no, I'm not. And he went, well, bloody join the Air Force then. I went, I am. And then a few few weeks later, that was it. Signed up, off. Um, I didn't get the job that I wanted to. I wanted to be a uh, p- 
personal track because you could have um P- PTIs we call them personal training instructors over here and you could mm-hmm. you could go in straight as that job and that is what I'd, I'd learned through college and and school was always good at sports etc did I did I pass the aptitude test did I fuck <laughs> hey here's a list of what you could do it's like oh I'll just do that one at the bottom what's that <laughs> oh that's the infantry oh yeah cool we'll do that <laughs> I originally went into an Air Force recruiter. That was because my mom was like, go Air Force. No one in my family ever had. Everybody was Army or Marine Corps. So I was just like, okay, I guess. And I went there. I didn't like it. Like I kind of like being around like the airmen and stuff like that. And I was just kind of like, I don't know, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. And then so like I disappeared for a little while. I went back to college and I came back. I was like, no, I'm going to go army. I'm just going to follow my dad and go army. Yeah. And then like later on, I saw like airmen, like we'd work with them. It's like, God, they're so clean. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love that. Like, because over here, the, the, Air Force, the Air Force get the same shit. Like for being like staying in hotels and always looking pristine. Looking do, sharp. Do you guys ever go out in the field, et cetera? The funny thing is, with the, the regiment that I served with, we are the most hated regiment in the entire military because, <laughs> one, we're under the Air Force umbrella. Two, we're technically infantry. However, the Army don't see us as infantry because we're Air Force. The Marines don't see us as infantry because we're Air Force. Um, <laughs> and the Air Force look at us and go, well, you're too stupid to do what everybody else is doing. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, it's, it is funny. But yeah, you know, it, I, I always laugh because we, we get all those like military banter pages and things like that where they try and dig each other out. And we always get the same, the same shit. Oh, you don't leave the wire. You're stuck in on the camp. You're in the Air Force. You stay in a hotel. And it's like, hang on. When I look back through all my tour photos, I don't, I, very rarely where the hell is that yeah yeah. where's the fence line i don't see it um but yeah so so you went to um so you went to afghanistan you went to was it i'm gonna throw it out there i'm gonna say kandahar Uh, i went to i was out of paktika province so i was out in the uh sharana so we were out by like hindu kush mountains like right near the pakistan border Ah. so we were just kind of floating around out in that dust bowl and beautiful i was there 2012 2013 for operation enduring freedom so that was an experience you guys have the best names for operations operation enduring (laughs) freedom (laughs) i love it so so you guys like operation desert storm and and stuff like that we have operation telic i don't even know what a telic is um (laughs) Um, the other one, op- Operation Herrick. What? Who is thinking of these? Be, hey, British forces, be cooler. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, like, I need the cool name for it, though, because then when people are like, so what did you do? It's just like, I uh, sat in a guard box. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. counted goats. I watched yeah. over the camels. <laughs> like, saw, you know, cool name. Lo- yeah, I saw a What's few that? locals cutting about, you know. Haven't. Yeah, it was just like I think I saw a vehicle on the bolo list one day. <laughs> like, it's just like really, it's just you doing stupid stuff in a box with somebody else and just oh trying yeah, to not, <laughs> Try, trying to stay awake, <laughs> trying to stay awake, trying to keep busy. Yeah, it's, it wasn't 
Yeah, it was some deployment, all right. <laughs> uh, so when you left, um, was it straight after that you started the podcast, or did you, or did you have like a transition? Uh, the podcast came a couple years after I left the reserve, so uh, about four years after I left active. So it took a minute to get into it. I had started as a blog at first yeah. because I didn't like talking about it. So it was just easy to write it down and just kind of throw it out there for whoever. And uh, it mostly came after uh, I had a buddy commit suicide about a month before I got out of active duty and didn't really process it for a couple of years. And then somebody else from my unit killed themselves. And then somebody else from my unit killed themselves. And then it just started happening. It was just like, what? And I was still struggling with the transition. So I was just like, is that what we're supposed to do? Like when we it's can't like, figure it yeah, out, yeah, is that the like, way to go? It's like and so really everything piling in at once as well. And I was coming to the end of school and my teachers just like were, were really into what I was writing about. Because I always tried to make the projects about the veteran community, about the military. Yeah. And uh, and they really just kind of like kept pushing me, like keep writing, keep doing what you're doing. And so as soon as I left uh, college, it was like, I'm going to, or I guess at that point, university, it was like, I'm going to take all these classes where I've been doing all these writing prompts and I'm going to start turning it into something. And then when it went to a podcast was when I started having veterans hit me up, go, I really like what you're writing about, but I really hate reading. So could you yeah. just like read yeah, it? I get, what you, I get what you mean. There. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I, I did a similar sort of transition in, in the way that when I, when I was out on tour, that's when I, that's when I started jotting uh, thoughts, feelings. Um, but I was never, never any good at, articulating myself quite the way I wanted to because I'm, I'm quite uh, severely dyslexic you might want to say severe I don't know um, where my brain is working too fast for my hand to keep up so every time I when I eventually turned my tour diaries as I called them into my book and I was reading back through it I was like what the fuck am I going on about there <laughs> <laughs> it's like you are missing about four words <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, I, that, that's, that's one of the reasons why I started my podcast was I didn't know how to write it down and instead of writing it down, I spoke instead, which, um, I found very beneficial to, it was like the weights were starting to lift off a little bit. Is that sort of how you felt where, as you were writing them down? Cause obviously you're going through the transition, you've got all your buddies that have, uh, did the ultimate sacrifice and taking their own life and, and you've got all this weight on you. It's like, what? what yeah, I definitely bottled that. a lot of it up. Yeah, and like kept just kind of, I kept shoving it all down for years. And so then when I finally started just saying it, it was like the dirty secrets out. Like I'm yeah. struggling. But that, that's, and that's a huge thing, isn't it? That, that you've like sort of touched on a little something there, the, the dirty secret as if it's a bad thing to be suffering. But that's what you're kind of. Yeah, well, we that's, were what, that's what you're told. Like, hey, you wanna? You are you struggling? Yeah, yeah. Don't talk about that shit, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, like find a different issue. Like yeah. But it it was always about like you'd go through all these powerpoints and classes and training, and they have signs all over the army posts. It's just like reach out, do this, do that. But you can't. I mean, it's a total setup of like 
it's the perception that you could do it. They're checking a box. We told yeah. them they could reach out, but really you got someone on the side that's like, shut the fuck up. Like, don't, yeah, yeah. don't say anything about it. Just keep doing duty first. Mm. Keep trucking. Service before self. Yeah. And so, and you, and when you do that, that transitions over always putting it before yourself. So you don't learn self-care. You don't learn how to like actually put yourself before anything else, even putting other people before you. Cause that's all it's about. You got to save everybody and yeah. you got to get everybody back home safe and all this stuff. So you're always on the back burner. Definitely. And so for me writing, it was just like, you know, here it is. And once it was unleashed and people started saying like, Hey, I feel the same way. It was like, Holy shit. You mean I'm not the only one that yeah. couldn't handle it? Like, that, wow. That's the mad thing about how, how many there are even, even serving that are still like, taboo for you to say anything and and you're right as well you're always looking out for someone else before yourself whether yeah. whether it is the job first or, or I, I was always quick to give advice and go and speak to my 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 mate who's who's struggling rather than actually focus on myself so I thought well if I'm focused on myself that's really selfish but in terms of your own personal mental health, you've got to be at some time, at some point. Otherwise, like you said, you're bottling it all down and then all of a sudden you're like, well, burn out. I'm done now. Yeah. And nobody wants that. <laughs> no, but, but it's like, you're always kind of pushed that way. The word it yes. starts to feel like maybe I like, once I do my service and my contracts up, like you're expendable, like you get, you're taught that from the get-go like you'll be replaced you die yeah, yeah. in combat by your own hand whatever you're gonna be replaced by tomorrow nobody yes. really gives a shit if you like yeah and it almost felt like truth. if you did take your, if you took yourself out it's like well the trash is gone <laughs> like yeah. you were too weak there, to there's the baggage it's, there's the weakness they've yeah, got it's so it's just, you know you just that's why, like, when I started writing my book and stuff like that, I called it Bottled Away because it was, like, it's really you're taught to just keep pushing it down, put a cork on it, and just yeah, live yeah. with it. See how long you can hold it in there before some shit starts to explode, like, or you just give up. Yeah. Give up and, and just, well, quit. And you, you find and then that, you have to deal with that because you can't be a quitter. No, no, no. That. God. Quit. <laughs> what you 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 quit? I ain't got no time for you, son. It's 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 mad. It really is mad. And I, I don't know um what it was like for you when you when you released the book or when you started doing your doing the blogs and the and the podcast, if you had any sort of online hate or anything like that from from fellow people but i got i got i got i got got, the good the bad the ugly like it was everywhere everything i I had so much positive stuff like a few weeks afterwards when i first did when i first started all the hate you can't be talking about that you haven't got it how do you know i haven't got it how do you know i haven't got depression ptsd or anything like that how do you know are you my doctor? That, when I brought up PTSD, that was like, okay, oh, you that, can that's, right there. oh, that is like, that's too far. That, that, that's pulling woman. out the red, yeah, that's pulling out the red, uh, the red flag for fucking for the bulls, isn't it? It's, but it's the same, same with me. Um, and I, I, I have no idea what it's like for you as a, as a combatant female, but when I did it, because I was in the regiment that I stated I was in, 
everyone was like, how have you got it? We, we didn't do anything. It's like, it don't, I didn't have to do anything. My mind... Yeah, that was always the, the misperception was this idea of like, it was always trained like PTSD, anxiety, all these things come from like, it's the combat disorder. And yeah. it's really, we save PTSD for not just a small fraction of our society to say that's the military thing. We save it for the even smaller fraction of the military that says yeah. you went out and actually did like yeah, real yeah. combat. I, I had like, it. I, I had it with um. What I had him on the show as well. Um, a few well would have been last year. A close friend of mine um lost both his legs in an in an IED incident, and they said, they said to me, Robo didn't is is okay. So why are you? got all these problems it's like i'm i'm sorry but it's like well, i don't know but even robbo has said to me he was like well i don't even remember it happening so i've woke up i've got no legs i've just got to deal with it now but he went for everybody else they had to deal with it yes i wasn't there directly but indirectly um just to clarify the robbo blown his, having his legs blown off did not give me ptsd just want to clarify that before any of my little troll friends come on and say, Tom, I've said this. It's an accumulation of many different situations and scenarios throughout my life. There we go. I said it again. <laughs> <laughs> Got to clarify these things because I've had a few trolls that like to cut and snip it bits of my podcast and make funny videos out of it. Um, oh, nice. yeah, yeah. I thought they were quite funny, yeah. but. <laughs> it helps them it helps them if it helps them and they feel better crack on you're welcome <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can thank me later <laughs> yeah I, I got a lot of the the hate mail and it was from people i served with it was what yep, it started exactly as it, it wasn't strangers it was people i served with that are like you did not go outside the wire how are you so broken and it's like, well, for one, you and I served together for two years. I was in for six. So that leaves some years there that you don't know what happened. But also the fact that it wasn't military. Like I dealt with, I dealt with more violent stateside than I did ever in Afghanistan. And so it was yeah. kind of, I got blindsided by other shit in life. And so that's where I started talking about more because it was this idea of like, we're really cutting off a lot of people from being able to reach out by having Definitely. this really stupid perception of what you know you're allowed to complain about like who's yeah. allowed to actually talk about it and who's allowed to struggle yeah definitely and i think even in sort of today's climate as well especially over over here i'm not sure what it's like over in america um but obviously with the pandemic that we're going through our nursing system because we have um public health care so that that there's free health care um a lot of a lot of the nurses um, paramedics, doctors, they were going through a lot of shit and seeing a lot of death and, and all sorts. And, and it's not just them either. There's the, the porters and all the other staff members that are working within the hospitals that are seeing things and dealing with this pandemic, epidemic, whatever you want to call it. And I remember reading somewhere, it's like, how can a porter be suffering with stress and, and PTSD when he when he's not in the military. It's like, whoa. It's not just yeah, that. It, it, it's fucking everybody. You could be in a car accident. It's just the yeah. more mindedness of, of certain people that don't understand. And that's the main thing. 
Yeah, what the pandemic did for me in terms of like putting stuff into a perspective was like a lot of people really just don't believe things happen until it happens to them. Yeah, because there were a lot of people in the pandemic that are like, "This is awesome!" Like over here, everybody's sitting at home watching Tiger King and just <laughs> that was <throw> fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> just doing it like this is this is pretty cool. I finally have a day off from work. Like whatever, I don't have to do shit. I'm allowed to be lazy. But, like it started off like that, but then it was this idea of like that's not every household. Some household, somebody's getting beaten by their spouse, somebody, some that kids is, at home, parents that hate them. Like that's just because Tiger King is your, your yeah. pandemic, you know, the person yeah, exactly. around the corner, it's not the same. And that's where I started talking to people about like PTSD and things that happen. It's like, just because you don't deal with it or how you deal with it is because you are in a combat role or something like that. That doesn't mean the next person next to you doesn't have it or doesn't have it because they didn't do what you did or something like that it's like our experiences are going to vary that's part of human <laughs> like being yeah, human exactly is it's, different experiences exactly you could see something and you could be absolutely fine i could see it and be like oh i'm fucked this is yeah. this is this is dummy over everybody has different trauma responses like what what we're able to take what we're able to comprehend how we register it how we just digest it like it's all different yeah it's it's just the and i spoke about it on a on a on a previous episode and every everybody should be aware now i know it's mental health awareness month we should all be aware now that people <laughs> suffer differently <laughs> and it's what we it's what we do now like over here we've had different uh, a few celebrities and that that have committed suicide and whatnot and the and the trend of be kind has come forward and, and whatnot we should all be doing that anyway i i don't know I what think we get lost in trends yeah. i think we we start focusing on the trendy thing and then we actually forget what the message was yeah yeah it's, it's, mad, though. it's mad because for me, I, I yes, I, I I comment which I shouldn't on a few things as as a in a jokey way, like I saw a vegan butchers on Facebook the other day, and I thought, hmm, you can't be a butcher if you're a vegan because you're not cutting up animals. But so I commented and went, isn't that a green grocers? Um, blah blah blah, um, and then I'll put some other little jokey things, and I think, what am I doing? Why am I? They've just got a business. Just leave them, leave them to it. It's not affecting me. But it's it's this other little troll, trolly little fuckers that hide behind the screens and whatnot. It's like, what, what? Why do you wake up in the morning and think I'm going to give some people some hate today? Because I hate their own lives or their. It's got to be though, isn't it? It's got to be. There's got to be these little triggers. But that's how I started feeling like with the veterans that were reaching out. They were just tearing me apart for like just opening up. Like I wasn't really. Like there was, I called people out here and there, but for the most part, it was just me talking about my story and some of the stuff I've gone through and how I've struggled and tried to heal from it. And then the backlash, and it was just like, how are you mad at me for like talking about my life? And yeah. then I had to start realizing like a lot of these people, they have their own issues. They won't heal. They won't try to go to therapy. They're mad about something. And so they're just bleeding on everybody else because they won't fix their wounds. It's, so yeah, it's, it's, just, it's, it's as though they're, they're hurting that much. They want someone else to hurt as much as what they bring are. someone else down with you instead of trying yeah. to find a way to get your ass back up. And so it's just, 
it's that old saying, isn't it? You putting out my candle is not going to make yours bright any any bigger. You know, I almost made that quote brilliant then. <laughs> but I just had a sip of whiskey and my mouth stopped working. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for, for those that are, that are tuning into the Granite Zero podcast, this is the first whiskey I've had in seven months. So I, I, I was not drinking until I've got a charity football match coming up in July or soccer match coming up in July. So I was like, I'm not going to drink until then. And I went out with my brother-in-law and father-in-law and played some golf. And obviously when you get to the whole 19, you go to the bar. And I was like, oh, it was a beautiful day. Sun was beaming. I was like, I really, really want a beer. And that was it. Seven months down the pan. <laughs> so we're back now in the shedio with a whiskey. So fantastic. Right on. Right on. But yeah, um, what I was trying to say was. <laughs> back to it. <laughs> yeah. So your, your, your story and your struggles, was it? I take it it wasn't all military based then. Obviously, your, your friends committing suicide obviously wouldn't have helped um, yeah it? I mean there, there's the side of it where it's like the suicide part where I dealt with losing buddies after I was out where it gets just kind of lonelier and lonelier as time goes by kind of triggers your own stuff in the sense that you're not like I never ended up with PTSD because my friends killed themselves but it's it really makes you aware of your own struggles because you realize how low you are and how close you're getting to that point where you're on the edge and losing one of my buddies was, that was the point I realized like, man, I'm really teetering close to a point where there might not be a return. And another big part of my story because of the PTSD coming in was the fact that I was dealing with domestic violence and stuff like that. And so I had a really different life to where uh, I started kind of integrating that into what I was talking about because a lot of people were kind of under the impression that if you're a soldier, or just having been in the military, you don't deal with domestic violence because like I'm supposed to be GI Jane or something and yeah. be able to like get the guy in a headlock and beat the shit out of him. But it was like, that wasn't, that wasn't who I was. And so it was kind of talking about how you can be the, the combat vet that has horrors that took place outside the military. Yeah, like cool. you can be dealing with struggles and have all these things that are not related to your service and still be a veteran and so it's like i was trying to show that we're human like we deal with yeah. everyday things yeah definitely that that's a that's a huge huge thing that a lot of people think that obviously veterans are well i say a lot of people have a like a misconception that people in the military are all singing all dancing super strong super hard fucking rambo rambo <laughs> captain america or you know super soldiers it's like no we're just regular people that have been taught a different skill set you know, we're definitely not invincible like we're although we you when when you're going through like when i went through basic training my basic training was six months long yeah i'm guessing six months long 30, 38 32 weeks i think it was in total i think that's about six months roughly um and we are literally taught that you are like invincible. 
not mm-hmm. in, in in a certain way and and that really does boil over as well so you go out on as we would say go out on the piss go out on the drink and that's why you tend to get a lot of veteran oh, veterans or, or servicemen will end up ha- having bar fights and, and things like that is because well we are you, you get told you're better than civilians you're, you're a better breed we're not we're fucking idiots <laughs> i know that too because i've lived in a college town like the last eight years and oh, that's so, even worse but but students so you got veterans or, or, or the university sits about 10 15 minutes from our military post oh that's and that's, so they all so like you know the whole bar district everybody just kind of like swarms in and you got people just slugging it out because yeah, everybody yeah. thinks the other one's a piece of shit like you were too stupid to go to college so you're in the military and like you're too weak to be in the military so they just like we're blacklisted from so many places here oh yeah <laughs> i remember going out um in the early stages of uh, being with my my now wife we went out on on a few occasions in the in the town where where she lives and there's a military base just up the road. And I went in, the only ID I had on me at the time, I didn't have my driving license. I just had my Air Force ID. So I gave that to the bouncer or doorman. Um, and he looked at it and he was like, nah, you can't come in. So why not? He's like, you're in the military, you're going to kick off. I was like, I'm with my girlfriend. Why would I be, I'm not going to be fighting anyone. It's like, nah, sorry. We've had enough of you lot in here. It's like, oh, brilliant. But then, but then, right now, I'd have just gone, all right, cool, gone. But then it was like, hang on a minute, I served my country. Why you won't let me in? What have you yeah. ever done? It's that, that's always the big one. What have you ever done? You, you work on a door. It's like, fuck. <laughs> and I'm only five foot six, so I've got short man syndrome as well. I'm, try, I'm trying to fight the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had I had buddies that like if we would go out somewhere and they'd be like, "What's your veteran discount?" and they'd be like, "We don't give you guys nothing." And they're just like, "Oh, you hate the military? You hate America?" <laughs> and it was just like, "Come on, dude, it's ten percent." Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not even worth it. You're gonna save tax, like, <laughs> like let it go, man. Like, you hate your freedom. It. You hate America. Yeah, I, you tend to find though that you guys over there, you you. You support the military a lot better than what over here did with our military for a long period. Well, it seems from from what you see, it might be different, actually. I mean, for me, it's hard to say because of where I live, because I live on an army post. So everybody's all. Oh, yeah. We (laughs) waving the flag and everybody's just like, oh, you know all this shit but then you kind of when you start getting away from the military communities you start getting into some territory where you know people think it's a waste of money we're just a bunch of killers where we get in we're the police the world police we stick our nose in everybody's business we've been doing it a long time Uh, we're just kind of like we just kind of show up everywhere like what's going on and you know (laughs) <laughs> fuck things up and then <laughs> like oh okay, fix it like i gotta go to the next place so i mean we do have kind of you we have our support but there's still a lot of people that are just kind of like why like why are you guys over here why are you doing that what do you actually do you're actually a piece of shit. <laughs> that's a funny one isn't it it's like excuse me that that question there why 
why are you doing it? It's like, oh, hang on. I didn't give the orders. I've just told to go over there. I might not agree with it, but it's my job. Yeah, there was plenty of stuff I was told to go do where I'm just like, I mean, I was part of the female engagement team and our whole goal was learn the language of the culture you're going to, learn Pashto, we're going over there, you got got to talk to them, got to talk to the women, talk to kids because you need information. This is hearts and minds. We're fixing things. It's like, no, we're going to fuck some people over. Like somebody's going to get killed because I went and talked to them and then snitch them out and stuff like that. And so I remember saying, like, I don't want to be a part of the female engagement team. We're going to get a bunch of women and kids killed over there. They're like, no, stop thinking. Just do. Like, <laughs> Yes. You're not yes. paid to think. You're wrong. That's, yeah. That was my favorite. Because throughout, again, back to basic training, we were, we were told you're in the RAF regiment. You're the Air Force Infantry. You are a thinking soldier. It's like, oh, fuck. Love that. As soon as you actually have a bright idea, hey, you're not paid to think. Oh, fuck. Shut up. <laughs> but for, That's for why me, it didn't work out for me. I, I didn't really find what we were doing in Afghanistan too. too when I, in my first tour, I was out on the ground. I was, I was seeing the locals engaging, doing the hearts and minds stuff. I thought we were doing a fucking good job. And it wasn't until my third tour, which would have been my second to Afghanistan, where I was actually in the command center working alongside the US Marines and, and whatnot. And I remember wit- witnessing through, um, through some air ops, um, an IED team got uh, airstrike wiped out. And when they went down and, and recognized the body, it was like, it was a 14 year old girl that was laying the IED down for the IED team. Cause they knew that it's a little girl, basically. She was wiped out. And I remember thinking, like, that's fuck it, that's not right. As as much as like she she could have killed a, a few Marines, she could have killed a few of my lads. But if someone had like actually sat down and spoke to her and like, I don't know, my, my like my mindset sort of switched from kill, kill, kill to what could what we could have done something else. And it was like, hang on a minute, we're in we're in their country. This is their country, and we're trying to force our ideas on. No wonder th- we just plowed through their field. No wonder they're gonna fucking shoot us. <laughs> it's like imagine if someone I did mean, that in you, your own house. We would have trucks, you know, going out, and it's like you have to watch out to make sure you don't run over their goats or their sheep mm. or like kill. It's their livelihood. Those the stuff they have out there. We're just kind of rolling through, and you just. I mean, you're trampling everything. You're getting in their business. You're tell, trying to share our ideals, and it's like it's not it's not going to work here. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't work. Here. It sometimes doesn't work for us. But it was like it was just really confusing to be like, am I here helping, or am I actually being more of a problem? Like, are we yeah. a bigger problem than what we try to sell it as? And most of the time, it came out to just like, I don't. We shouldn't really be here. But I'm. I'm low on the totem. I ain't going to be able to tell anyone to pull yes, out. So, yes. so it's like, I'm just going to go back to my tower and keep drinking rippets and shut up. Rip it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that stuff was bonkers. Rip it. <laughs> we, um, a few of my, when we were in Iraq, we, um, a few of the lads made a rip it advert and it's on YouTube. I've got a fucking bug flying around my head. And they, and they literally take the take the piss out of the Americans drinking this rip it, and it was like a bit of like 
an advert for an energy drink mixed with like Team America. Just like <laughs> rip it, fuck yeah! <laughs> it's like, it was it was it's actually quite a funny thing. I'll put a link so that others can see it. But there, yeah, that stuff was, like a, that stuff was that gave me all sorts of stomach trouble. <laughs> oh, we we had those, and then we had like shot coffees that were just like pure espresso, and you're just out there, just like uh, like who cares? You know, and we're like, like trying to make like coffee bombers out of them. Like if I add this to my coffee in the morning, you know, and throw yeah. some caffeine gum in the mix, like what might happen? Let's, let's see if I can kill myself out here. Yeah. I'm bored. It's like you get back, you get back and have a medical and they're like, you're, you, you've got a heart problem. Have I? What have you been taking? Uh, rip it. I've been shaking for a week. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't stopped. Sh- I'm, I'm still going. <laughs> I've been home for six months and I'm still got the shakes. <laughs> yeah, rip it can that was like our mascot out there <laughs> just rolling through guns I remember, we, we, a few of us in, in iraq we um we found one of your um big iso containers and it didn't have a padlock on it and we opened it up and it was literally full of cans of rip it and we were like oh what a find <laughs> this isn't secure we're having this it's like what they're some of the best games. What can you steal? Yeah. <laughs> Anything that fits in a Connex, really. Yeah. Do, so do, do you miss it? Uh, sort of. You're still kind of sort of living the life with it. Do you say your husband is a husband or partner? Sorry. Yeah, my husband is in. Uh, he, I miss it when he's not around but when he comes home and tells me what the stupid shit they do i remember why i left and you're like oh that's why i left and so it is <laughs> a it's a daily reminder of like oh yeah i remember why because when i moved away from the post for a little bit and i kind of distanced myself from everything military because i went through a little phase where i was just mad about it and uh, you know, you start only thinking about the good times. You start missing your buddies. You start missing yeah. the stupid shit you did. You just only think about the good times you had because you're miserable. And then you kind of get back into it. You know, I married back into the military and it was just like, oh, you, I know that feeling like for, for ages, I was like, I'd be asked, Tomo, do you, do you, do you miss it? Would you join back up? I'm like, yeah. I went, if, if I didn't have the wife and kids, I'd be straight back in. And they were like, oh, really? And I went, well, yeah, I only left because of them. In, in reality, I left because I was starting to hate it. Um, and I was always like, yeah, I'll, I'll join by Kappa, Mr. Lads. And then it wasn't until really that I started, when I started doing the podcast, like I said, and I was getting all the hate. And it was from people that I served with in Afghanistan and, and were on the same um, regimental squadron as me. They be giving me the shit, and I'm like, "Are they really the people that I want to be back with?" Nah. Luckily yeah. for me, I've got two very close buddies that literally live down the road from me. That were on the same squadron as me, did the same military tours as me. So if I want that little bit of military banter, that little bit of back and forth, I'll just give them a ring. Hands are coming around. Yeah, cool. Sit and have a beer. If we want to reminisce, we'll reminisce. If not, if we want to just take the piss out of each other, we'll do that. But it's like yeah, one of my one of my buddies from my cavalry unit, he was one of our mechanics. He was down the street like five minutes. And so every once in a while, like, you know, we'll meet up and just kind of 
reminisce we'll talk about the stupid like how nobody died on in afghanistan just from doing stupid shit like oh, yeah. <laughs> and you just have those moments but then it's like it goes back to it where you know my husband gets home from whatever and it's like oh yeah but there's that side to it too and uh everyone's why i do what's that you've got a whole different perspective now as well because i've been saying this for well for years like nobody thinks of the military spouse i it changed my view because when i was in uh i didn't like them military spouses annoyed me, especially being a woman serving, they don't like you either because you're the one that when their husband's not home, they're with you. Like, yeah, you're, they just you're say, the oh, there's always something. You're the one that goes <laughs> on the deployment with them. You're the wife away from home, apparently. Like, mm. even though it's like, you just half the time are sick of each other's shit when you're out there because, yeah, yeah. you know, I was supply. So somebody was always mad at me about something like a part oh, missing yeah, or whatever. Your fault yeah and so you already have your issues and stuff like that but you're disliked and so in my mind it was okay i'm gonna not like you back like yeah it was pretty and pretty you find concept. with a lot of the the military spouses as well if they've um if their husband or wife has a bit of rank they assume that they've got the rank i don't know if that's the same they are the rank yes yeah. salute me why didn't you salute me come it's like, i'm definitely hey hey like we, because for for us, it's um, they take the Queen's commission, so it's like, have you got the Queen's commission? That, no. Uh, why would I salute you, you fucking dick? Get out of my face. But I've had it. I've had it before. So this is quite a funny story. We did a um, we had a leaving party for my um platoon before we left, and it was um, a proper proper dress up. So the the women would be in ball gowns, the the men would be in either dinner dress or if they don't like us scum don't have dinner dress we would just have a dinner suit on mm-hmm. and um anyway um it, it got very drunk and uh i remember my mum was there and my mum who obviously was married to my dad that would have been a really stupid comment uh, <laughs> my dad my dad was a um probably would say i'm trying to think of the equivalent for your rank um, structure uh, probably like a staff sergeant maybe a first sergeant maybe um, he was one below a warrant officer there we go that's probably um, that's probably the best way to say it anyway so my mum has seen this lady that's outside and she's effing and blinding like proper like foul mouth like absolute like trailer <laughs> trash you might say like I, I, I swear with the best of them but she was coming out with some doozies and my mum isn't doesn't really like foul language we'll just put it at that and she said excuse me a a lady shouldn't be saying words like that and she said i'm a sergeant's wife i can speak how i want i was like oh what who says that and my mum and my mum just went well i'm a our rank over here is flight sergeants. He went, well, I'm a flight sergeant's wife and I've told you to shut your mouth. <laughs> I was like, yes, have a fight. Who's the best? I bet my <laughs> mum wins. <laughs> no, there really, there really is a rank structure within the spouse community. And I learned that when I married in and I'm kind of like, I don't know where I fit because I'm a veteran also. So I'm like yeah. a whole other level of a piece of shit. Like, you're, you're the, you're the <laughs> like, biggest 
piece of shit. Yeah, like I am just <laughs> <trash>. <laughs> But it's like you come in and they're like, so what rank are you? Like, oh, what? <laughs> I have no idea if that actually happens like over here, but I could probably picture that it does. Like my my wife said she never really got on with the other wives around like in the military sort of um the patch as we call it the the military housing um which is one of the reasons why to be fair my wife started developing um like depression and things like that while i was away and even when i was in because she hated everyone that was around her no offense if you're listening she didn't like you um it's high school um, 2.0 yes it is isn't it (laughs) and it's like if you're not in the clique then when the prom queens run the neighborhood <laughs> yes on every street <laughs> i'm getting attacked by fucking but by the way i record in my shed this is where i record and i must have left the door open before i got in here for a bit too long because there are fucking bugs yes <laughs> and i've had to turn the lamps on so now they're like Wee! so if I, if you no, see I... me doing this a lot I'm trying to get rid of these little cunts. Pardon my French. <laughs> but, but no, like in the uh, in the military, like I I did not. I don't want to say I hated them. I won't go that far. But I severely disliked military spouses, and my reason for it when I was serving was uh, I was one of the guys. I was attached to a cavalry unit. I worked with a lot of dudes. And I was treated as not really a sister. I was a little brother or a big brother to some, but it was like, I was part of the group. And, you know, so I didn't, I wasn't trying to sleep with anybody's husband out in a nasty ass field. Like I wasn't trying. And so they were, they were my support system. And so what I found was like, when we came back from Afghanistan, you've been in each other's shit this whole time. Like you're got some pretty good connections. Like you're really close. And, you know, you get back to your home life and they go back to their families and it's like, I can't talk to you anymore. Like, my wife's mad about it. My wife doesn't like you. And it's just like, and then you get out and it's, you try to keep in contact with people and it's like, I can't talk to you because my wife is going to think I, like, we were exchanging something or something like that. And it was just like, so how do I hold on to my buddies? Like, when I get out, because I I didn't serve with a lot of women. So it's like, like who do a, like do i reach out mad, to other people it's a mad thing i never really thought about that because and that was my biggest issue was that it was like how the military spouses would hinder that that connection because mm. it's like what do i do for a support group i don't know how to work with female vets i didn't work with them in the service so it's like that's yeah, not my, my group my, my my support bubble are dudes yeah yeah and it's it's mad how no offense how women's minds sometimes work like a little crazy yeah it's, no but it's like i'm if i'm working with a woman and you're like even if you're sending them a text to make sure they're right it's like why are you sending that woman a text what's going on there oh, she's oh you my, love her more than yeah, me. <laughs> she's, she's my buddy um but for me I, I never really had that because being um infantry we were at that point, all men. Yeah. We were just solely, solely dudes. And um, until we were getting ready to deploy and then they would send the medics in. And occasionally you'd have a female medic. And I can sort of see why some like military wives could get 
like uppity, you might say, because when they came onto the squadron, it was like flies around shit. The fucking blokes is like, come on, lads, give them a fucking break. Well, yeah, they're trying to just do a job as well. They don't need you seeing whose dick's bigger. We're not here for that. (laughs) Well, some might be. We did. Well, we definitely had those, those women that did come in that yes, knew they yes, had a lot of Yes. And it's pick of the litter and stuff like that. And so, and, you know, it's they're kind of I, few and far f- between, I guess, compared to what other people see it as. But it's like they do exist. And it just takes that one to make it for every, like every that woman. One bad, one bad apple. And so, and so I could see where the spouses got it. But it was like, once I got onto the spouse side, I understood that from their point of view, because I at least understood the military from being in it. So I got, okay, he's not coming home tonight. It's late or whatever. It's not because he's cheating on me. He's stuck at a motor pool. They're doing this. Like I understood his job and that, that that's the way it is. Sometimes you have to yeah, camp yeah. out at the motor pool because somebody lost a screwdriver. It's like, there's some stupid <laughs> stuff, but there are the wives yes. that yeah. are like, uh, he's cheating on me. He didn't come home. It's like, no, like maybe he is. I mean, I can't speak for him, but yeah, more most, often like, than most not, likely he's got dicked with some shit job. Some LT is lost somewhere and they're trying yeah. to find him. Trying like, to find him. He's like, where the, where are you? It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I can't read my map. Um, it's, so it's just like, but it's stupid stuff, but like they, you're alone a lot. And it's easy to get inside your head when you're by yourself and try to create whatever reality you can kind of live with. Like he's not yeah. home because there's another woman or something like that. And so I got where, uh, where it was really tough. And I was actually talking to my buddy that does live right down the road. Cause uh, my husband deployed not, not too long ago, but I was telling him, I was like, you know, when I used, when I deployed, I thought, man, it must be a hell of a lot easier to be on that side of it to where you're not getting sent off to some shithole. And oh, then it yeah. was like, then I was on the other side of it. And I was like, you know, I don't it's, think it's it worse is. the other way around. I think it, it feels shittier. And, yeah, yeah. and I told him, I was like, it's weird because when you go over there, you just go do your job. You're yep. still with your buddies and stuff like that. And then you get left behind. It's like, now I have to figure out how to do life like by myself and yeah, keep yeah. everything going. You, you've got like, a you got a kid as well. Yeah, and so it's just like so this sucks. It does. <laughs> so my my um my final tour, which is one of the reasons why I left, because I I got my my eldest. Um, so when I left, she would have been almost one, possibly, or just one. Um, she was very little. Yes, she would have been about. Yeah, just just gone one, I would have said, because I made sure <laughs> I made sure like I had a choice in it. I made sure she was walking before I left because <laughs> I didn't want to miss any any good shit. <laughs> the wind and the crying. I can I can get but, those first done now. <laughs> but I remember I remember I remember feeling how shit it was when uh, we left. I got on the coach to leave saying goodbye given given that my wife and and my daughter a, a big cut, cuddle and a kiss and getting on and just being like oh, that's fucking shit and then i thought how the fuck is she feeling right now knowing that i've just gone to a war zone and she's got to then be mum it's like mm-hmm. that is i'm never going to have to think about that because yes she does work but she's got 
she's a hairdresser. It's like, I don't have to go, oh, fuck. She's got to go and cut hair. She's not going, oh, my husband's just gone. Like, yes, she knew that I was in, like, a non-combatant role when I left. But that doesn't mean that I couldn't be sat in my tent and a fucking rocket hits it. Rolling around in a truck somewhere but, and hits yeah. shit. It's, it's, it's like, I, I ne- I've never been in that situation. And I've spoken to her about it. And she was like, yeah, it was, it was awful. But at that, at that time, that was her third time of doing it. I was like, yeah. it's like, not that she's used to it because it would have been worse because she's then, so the first time I went, we were literally not long together. So that would have been, that would have been shit anyway. Second time she was heavily pregnant. <laughs> and then the third time she, the, she has a little toddler running around. It's like, fuck it out. And the second time I deployed, not only was she heavily pregnant, she was also planning our wedding. <laughs> I got I got home and it was all done. Yeah. I got I got to pick the wedding car. That was it. <laughs> yeah, my daughter's four and a half now. This is her second time dealing with a deployment, and so for her, it's like that. He, I mean, I could tell he was tore up about leaving. He doesn't yeah. want to say goodbye to his kid. But then there's a side for her where she's just kind of like, why is he getting out of the car and he's not getting back in and he didn't yeah, come home yeah. tonight and did he, is he coming back? And at four, it's really hard to put that into a perspective. Like you can barely explain to them what mac and cheese is. So it's like, she's yeah, not yeah. going to get, you know, that, you know, he's off doing a job. She doesn't even know what work is. So it's yeah. like, daddy's going to be gone a while. Yeah, she doesn't know where daddy's gone. It's like, and then you can't even put it in the perspective what a long while is. They're just kind of like, well, like, yeah, okay. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I still, like, my, my eldest, she pretends that she remembers. She doesn't remember. She remembers because we bring it up. But when, when I came back, she obviously on the homecoming, she gave me a big cuddle. She saw me on FaceTimes and things like that. The missus would have gone, oh, remember, that's daddy. He's on the FaceTime. But when before I left, we were inseparable. She was a proper daddy's girl. Like she was in my shadow. I'd do bath times. We'd sing to Ed Sheeran and shit like that. I came back and she didn't didn't want daddy. It was all mummy. And I was like, fuck, that was heartbreaking. I was like, can I have some? Can I have some Jessica time? I don't like really saying her name on here, but can I have some? It's like. To be fair, now, right, she's almost 10. Now we're almost getting back to how we were. Yes, I was only gone for seven months, but that was a big chunk of her development where mm-hmm. it was all mummy. My youngest, yeah. she, she's pretty much my shadow. Like She's always sniffing around doing stuff. But, yeah, the eldest, like she was all mummy for, for the longest time. It was like, he's... What didn't help was my mood swings, <laughs> my my depression and things like that, and my PTSD kicking in without me even realising. And I was having these mood swings. She'd like knock over a can, and I'd fly off the handle, and I'm like, "Fuck, what are you doing?" And it wasn't until recently, obviously, starting the podcast, going to therapy, and things like that, I'm like, "Fuck, I'm shouting at her for no reason because of my issues, and I'm pushing my little." angel away from me it was a it was a, a, a been a, it's been a proper struggle can't lie and 
she is one of the reasons why I ended up starting a podcast and getting help. I've said it loads of times on here. She was the one that found me in the kitchen on the floor in like bits. I was crying. I was me and me and uh, the missus had a bit of a bit of an argument, and I thought everything had gone because I was the one pushing everyone away. And she came down, put her forehead against mine, and was like, "No, Daddy, we love you. Everything's okay." And I was like. Phew. That's my Kids are so, so forgiving. My daughter watched me go through so much stuff and they're yeah. resilient. They are, aren't they? <laughs> like, and that's really like my daughter was what kept me pushing, what made me realize like I got to figure out a way yes. to do better. Like I got like, I got to fix this shit because uh, I'm going to miss more than a couple firsts if I take myself out of it. Like, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss her whole life and uh is but i think for me like having played the i was married when i was in the military to somebody else like i've done the whole soldier up thing and get divorced and jack up yeah. everything in my life like we all go through that but it was like when i left it was it's kind of like you leave your life behind it's like does everything just kind of pause like the, you like you leave and that's that last moment. And then when you come home, it's like you get dropped off in that same spot and then your life picks up again. But then when you're the one getting left behind, it's like things start really just like blowing through. Like with, the, like I had her on the phone with her dad today and he's like, gosh, she's changed so much in like a couple of weeks. They do. They've changed so quick. And, and so it's like, and so for now it's like just a blip, like all this time just goes by and she's like up, up. But on the other end, it's like, it's dragging or it just yeah, doesn't yeah. move. It's weird. <laughs> Your husband will come home and he'll be like, "Wow, yeah, I like you said he's done it. He's done it a couple of times, isn't he? You say he's he's deployed a couple of times since. Yeah, this is his second one with us. It's his sixth tour in all. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but uh, yeah. She, we uh, we had just started talking, and then he deployed to Poland and went through that whole thing and it was like all right cool and then we got married during the pandemic because it was like how else can i ruin my life you know <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh <laughs> so this is our official like married deployment where i'm yeah. on the i'm getting the whole like experience of it living on the army post and getting oh, you're, to you're getting all the newsletters and <laughs> that kind of I like i thought i would <laughs> i haven't heard shit like i don't even know what's going on it was like isn't there supposed to be an frg like is somebody supposed to be running some family yeah. stuff it's like no you know what <laughs> that that on my it was either this like could possibly have been both tours the last two tours that i did to kandahar and, and bastion especially no, especially the 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 final tour because my my missus literally went well i'm not staying in the marry quarters that's not happening if I, I'm from at home with my little and I'm going home as in to her mum and dad's. She stayed with her mum and dad for pretty much the seven month tour that I was there. Occasionally came out to pick up mail. Um, but she gave the like forward on address as uh, her mum and dad's. Did she receive any newsletters to see how the how we're getting on over there? Anything like that? Did she fuck? L luckily, yeah. luckily, I was on camp the pretty much. Yeah, in fact, the whole tour. I was on camp the whole tour. For, for that one um so getting to the internet getting to the phones was pretty pretty easy unless it was that op minimized where someone's tragically gone or seriously injured then they would cut out but other than that 
I was pretty much on FaceTime most nights. It was different when I was deployed, though, because it was like the FRG was too in your business. It was like <laughs> too much. <laughs> don't tell them I'm coming home. It's going to be a really shitty surprise for him. And then they're like, your wife's on the way. It's just like I, he had one thing to do and yeah. it was to do nothing. Like you didn't have to do anything. <laughs> I, was, I was asking you to just not do shit <laughs> and you could you had to do it but then it's like now on this side it's like where are those people because i got nagged about them needing info all the time but now it's uh, like yeah i guess it's just hit or miss for units some have them some don't and yeah. so this is one of those, one of those don'ts and it, it's quite funny as well that, that those little things that you sort of remember so our squadron or, or platoon whatever you want yeah squadron um they, they always go oh by the way if you if your spouse is is pregnant or uh, anything like that you're having a wedding we'll make sure we give your wife uh, a big bunch of flowers um do all, all that we can for the for the newborn or your wedding and etc etc i got married had a kid and got fucking nothing <laughs> literally nothing and i was like hang on a minute i've paid in you'd have to pay in to the to the squad they call it the squadron fund you put money in and it funds like the the, the piss-ups and and things like that all the flowers it was like i didn't get any of that and it's like little things like the popular people would get leaving presents and things like that when they left the squadron to go to another one i didn't get any of that i didn't get nothing Except for yeah. trolls when I do a podcast. <laughs> I hear that. Yeah, I didn't get shit. I, I mean, like, I, I got, my, I I got my own leaving present, which is my decanter for my whiskey, um, which I actually bought for my dad. Um, I bought my dad a decanter while I was in the squadron. I was like in the squadron shop. I saw it and I was like, oh, I say this regiment shop. Sorry. I went, oh, that's fucking cool. My dad drinks whiskey. I'll get him that. It'll go next. It'll go nicely with his one that he was given by the SAS when he was teaching them how to parachute, or was one of their jump instructors. Mm-hmm. So he's got a really cool SAS decanter next to my RAF regiment one. I was like, "That's cool." And I left. I was like, "No cunt is giving me a fucking present. I'm not bitter. <laughs> I'm not fucking bitter." And I and I saw it in because my dad now lives with my my brother after splitting up with my mum. And I saw it in his like in his alcohol case with all the, all the fucking whiskeys lined up. No, no whiskey in the decanter, by the way. And I was like, I'm fucking having that. That's mine. I'm having it. That's my little present. <laughs> <laughs> so that's now, that's now pride and place in the shed or shedio. No. I call it. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you do things like that? When you, when you left, did you get a leaving, leaving gift? Here you go. Or was it the uh, golden handshake? See you later. Thanks for your service. I don't, I don't think I even got a handshake. I mean, like. No, I, I didn't get a handshake. Didn't get nothing. It, it was basically like, it was, I had seen people leave and they got like these big plaques, yeah. like somebody would give them some shit and uh, it, come to find out. I think it's usually just your buddies that do it, but it makes it look like this whole thing was put together for some special shit. And my whole thing was like, I had just gotten a new platoon sergeant. I don't think he was a fan of me. And so it was kind of like a transition point in our squadron taking place. 
at a really shitty time to where we got like this influx of new NCOs that didn't yeah. didn't deploy with us, didn't do shit. So they're just kind of like, oh, you're just a piece of shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And and so when I was saying bye, he's just like, um, and uh, and her, thanks for like what you did. <laughs> it was just yeah. like you did a good yeah, job. Deuces. And I just turned around and I shook my squad leader's hands and just like bye. And I just walked out and I like, got my little like AM or some shit. I don't even know what they gave me, but it was like got my little award and. Uh, it was right, right around the time our squadron had done some big shit. So everybody was supposed to get like custom coins for the the cavalry shield and all that stuff on it. And my platoon sergeant took mine. And it was just like you, <laughs> what? Like, hey oh, man, coin. <laughs> like I everybody got a coin. coin. Everyone got a coin and a poster, and it was just like, no, like you fuck all, like you just yeah. go bye. And it was just like, whatever. And so I kind of left bitter, like, man, I yeah, I, I tried I, hard when I was here. And you didn't care. Exactly. Exactly. And I was very similar. Like, I, like when I put my papers in to leave, I even said, look, I'll leave after this next tour. I'll do that one because you haven't got enough. Because at, at the time I was a radio guy. So I was like, you haven't got enough signalers. I'll do it. I ended up being the squadron lead signaler. Like every fucking major incident we had went through me. Cheers. Um, did did all that, and I was like, just leaving, and I was literally just going around the camp, getting because you have to go around and get everything signed off to say like you're out of it. And I went back into the squadron, and there was literally nobody in there. They they'd been on like leave or whatever, and I was like, oh, see you later. That's it. Ciao for now. It's been, fun. <laughs> it's been fun. It's been fun. This is a good five and a half years. And yeah, there's nobody here to say goodbye, but thanks. <laughs> thanks for I your mean, time. <laughs> I, I mean, I did that for the, uh, for after like my four years ended with active duty. And then of course I go over to the reserve side where you get to, you get to kind of play at army. You get to pretend you're a soldier for a little bit more. And like, I showed up and they talked it up. Like when I came in, they're like, so what do you do? I was like, oh, I'm certified on this. I got this security clearance, blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, oh my God, like, that's what we need. And then there was just kind <laughs> of like- Give me all that, give me it all. <laughs> it's like, it was funny because I come in and it was like this big thing where I thought like, oh, they're going to really like me here. Like, I'm not going to deal with that again. And they're like, you have everything we could possibly want. And I go down to work in the motor pool and they're just like, we don't consider you qualified though to touch our stuff. And it was like some cadet that told me that. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> like I've done my job in country in Afghanistan. I, I've been recertified. I don't know how many times my security clearance is good. And you're telling me I'm not qualified enough to like do the job I've done for four years like whatever. So by the time I got to the end of that, it was like, I showed up one day and signed my name on a piece of paper, turned around and walked out. And it was like, nobody knew I was there. And it was like, <laughs> so I thought it. like, I thought the the single handshake from active duty, like, oh, that was shit. And then it was like, oh, it gets worse. Yeah. Oh, this is, this is terrible. It's funny because the amount of people have said to me, they're like, Tomo, why don't you just go to the reserves? It's like, no don't do it no 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 thanks it's that's like, something i wish i could have gone gone back and fix it i wish i could have just done act, state active duty yeah and done it. don't get me wrong it was it was it's not our, our reserves aren't that that bad um but also 
Mm, I'm good. I've like got to the point where I don't want someone younger than me telling me what to do. Um, <laughs> it's like no thanks. I don't want. I don't want that. And I also like now they've sort of semi brought it in where you can grow a beard in the Air Force and the Navy, and I'm not 100 sure about the Army. I think the Army are trying it. Because obviously, last I heard they were trying. I don't yeah. know yet. And I and I was like, I don't really want anyone telling me that I need to shave on the weekend because it takes me long enough to grow this shit beard. But the fact that I can grow this shit beard without someone going shave that is fine by me. I quite like my shit beard. Nobody else does, but I like it. So <laughs> I'd seen that they just made it to where women can wear ponytails and all uniforms now and i'm just gonna wait and see how that works out yeah i don't know what the the what we would say gen i don't know what the gen is with hairstyles i know it's like what what it used to be when i was in anything under our beret or cover as you guys would say um anything under is ours anything outside is the military's so obviously you have to have it short back and sides but anything underneath, I could have it all long and loosey-goosey if I wanted. <laughs> yeah, I know for, like, when I was in, though, for women, it was like you had to have a bun. It had to be where your cover right. could sit on it a certain way. Your PC couldn't be popped up a certain way. Your beret had to sit a certain way. Uh, you couldn't have, like, this massive ball back there to where you couldn't get an ACH on or something like that. Like, it was going to get in the way of a mask or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. now it's just like, I'll just wear a ponytail wherever. And I'm just thinking like, man, I worked in a motor pool. Like if my ponytail got caught in something, like that's a Oh, bad... yeah, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't get scared at work today. Like, like <laughs> but <laughs> it's just like, everybody's happy about it. And I'm just kind of like, I mean, there's there's reasons why things exist. Yeah, yeah. But things you know, like whatever like having your hair down and shit like that, especially if you're working in with the engineers or, or with the mechanics and things like that. You're like, well, obviously you need your hair up because if it's not, you could die. But, you know, PC got mad these days. Yeah, well, we'll see where it gets everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's also the same with like... Um, certain roles within the military is always a good talking point, especially having a, a female on now. Um, Cause there was always, a, always a talk of getting women into the infantry, getting women into the special forces, getting women to do this. And I've always been, yeah, if they, if they can do it, let them do yeah, it. Yeah. If they can do it. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've like, I've had conversations with my missus and things like that. They're like, what do you mean if they can do it? I was like, well, don't lower the standards just because it's a woman or lower the weight that they have to carry and things like that. If they can carry it and do it, why can't they do it? Yeah, but when I heard like combat arms opening up, to it wasn't open to women yet when I was serving. Uh, but when I was getting out and I knew it was opening up to them, it's just like, you know, that that's cool. If you can do it, if and I understand that there are women that can match the level of what the men are doing but on average it's, it's not that's not a yeah, thing yeah, yeah. like you have to definitely put in a lot of work to hit that level and if you're willing to do that and you can maintain that 
more power to you. Congrats. Yeah, like you definitely. shouldn't, shouldn't be shouldn't be barred from doing it. However, I, the people I knew that were going in just to be like, cause part of that first wave to be like, Oh, look, you know, I'm oh, one no, of the, first, the first one. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, what? <laughs> like, like some little, th- like, Hey, if you can do it, badass if you're just doing it to say you did it like to have the title or whatever yeah uh, i hope you're ready to deal with the fact that you're probably gonna get somebody killed or you're gonna you're gonna be dead weight yeah and that's what i didn't want to see for other women was that i'm all for us doing the damn thing and i'm all for equality like but it's like if you're gonna make us look stupid and remind everybody why they didn't want us there in the first place then no like don't don't do that. <laughs> don't set hey, us back. Don't, don't do that. Stop that. <laughs> but it's like, I remember, obviously you're going to get some fucking Amazonian woman that does CrossFit that is bigger than me. Yeah. That could obviously run further and do much. It's like, Definitely awesome. exist. <laughs> get, get you in there. Get fucking Wonder Woman in there. Sure. But yeah, like you said, if you see someone like, it's like, no offense to my mum, built like my mum, who is five foot one and like nothing. It's like, you're not going to be able to carry the same weight that I'm going to carry. And if we're on a march and you start struggling, someone else is going to have to carry your shit. And then to be fair, even that happens, even with the blokes, I during my basic training, the amount of times that we had people, we were marching up a, a fucking mountain well, it seemed like a mountain. It's probably just a big fucking steep incline, but <laughs> started struggling and like you'd see him fall further and further back from the pack, and it's like Jesus Christ, give me your fucking rifle or give me your fuck. I had it. We, ha- I had it. I didn't. I was witness to it on fucking tour in Kandahar, where we had a machine gun who was carrying a GPMG, big general purpose machine gun, massive fucking thing. He was badged to be. What uh, a proper machine gunner we get given little badges that say oh you're a machine gunner well done we are we're marching through this um this little village and we were in kandahar where there's only one massive mountain everything else is pretty much flat we're about half an hour into the patrol and he's like i can't carry this anymore he had to ca- he had to pass his machine gun over to another lad to carry because he couldn't do it so it happens with the men as well <laughs> oh it definitely does i mean heart goes a lot of way i mean like if you t- some people just don't have any heart like to yeah he, just didn't, he had no spine no through. heart no nothing you got He's the a, what, tiny heart syndrome or whatever <laughs> he was just but a it's like, waste of space um there's some people i mean i learned that i was not infantry material in the cavalry when we did our spur rides and I was handed a 75 pound ruck and said, you know, go do 10, 15 miles or whatever. And you start at like 8 PM and it goes to like five in the morning. And I wasn't the last one. I was ahead of some of the guys, some of the support guys, not in front of any of the cav guys, Uh, (laughs) but, uh, but it was like (laughs) it's like i did get in before some you know some distro people or whatever but uh never handed my shit off finished it was behind so i mean i would have been if it was like a combat situation i would have been alone (laughs) very very fucking alone but it was like it was the realization of like this is (laughs) this is hard 
and it's like I finished it. I had all my shit. Nobody was going to touch my bag. I told people to fuck off if they want to touch my bags. They didn't want to be that person. But it was like, no, like I, and it's not like you train for a spur ride. It's just one day it's like, hey, you're going on a spur ride. You're going to go do some yeah, calf games. You're not trained yeah. for this at all. We just want to see what you can do. Yeah, yeah. So that's going in with like just PT standards. And we all know PT standards is shit. Like, oh, <laughs> what are you talking about? It's the best. It's up here, benchmark level. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's the, uh, it's I realized it's like man, if I was to ever if this was going to be like my everyday job, like I would have to do so much more than what I'm doing now. Yeah, I'm yeah. five foot nothing. And it's like, you know, just like yeah. shuffle. I, I remember like, I remember going up um, for some bizarre reason. Uh, I, right. I say some bizarre reason from what I've been told by other people. My flight commander, so he would have been a flight lieutenant, so he would have been like a lieutenant, wanted to take some photos up Three Mile Mountain in Kandahar. So he was like, well, we're going to do a patrol up there because there could be IEDs up there. Nobody would put an ID up a fucking mountain, you dickhead. But <laughs> um, anyway, so we did this fucking thing, and I had to carry my uh, i had to carry the extra radio and all my shit plus my rifle which had the um ugl on it and underslung grenade launcher sounds cool don't need it um <laughs> didn't need it didn't need it don't give it to me why did you give it to me but anyway so we did this um this march up a up three mile mountain it took forever and at one point i was hanging out so much that my rifle then became a walking stick to try and get up this fucking mountain we got back and we had some scales and i weighed my kit and i had 135 pounds of kit on and i was like i'm carrying a nine stone person this is ridiculous i'm carrying a, a person plus my own body weight and i'm not i might be five foot six but i'm not a slim guy i'm quite a stocky motherfucker i'm, I'm carrying a lot of weight and i wonder why my lower back and my knees and my ankles have shot to shit that's because I, I was a pack horse. They just gave me all the kit to carry up the fucking mountain. So yeah, I, remember yeah. I got out and I was talking to the VA and I'm like, you know, like, so what issues do you have? Like, like back and hip problems. But what did you actually do? Like, <laughs> like yeah, did you so, actually, and I'm just thinking like, oh, you well, you know, with a kit and a rut. Didn't get any it's of that. Like, on our like yeah. medicals, it's like, are you okay? He's like, yeah. It's like, cool. You haven't got any issues on your paperwork? Cool. Sorry, God. So they didn't go, have you got any issues? Yeah, my fucking knees and my ankles are fucked. <laughs> and it was just like, I always just loved it though when I'd go over to like the VA and they just start talking about all your all, all your problems and talk about how you're 25 and you feel like you're 80. And, oh. and it's just, but it's like, you're trying to explain. They're just like, how do you, like, you don't, what, what? you can't do anything over there. My wife actually. thinks it's hilarious. So when, when I wake up in the morning, and I walk off to the bathroom or whatever because I've, I've had bad ankles all my life. So it's not down to the military. I actually found out it's like, it could possibly be hereditary because my dad's ankles are shit as well. Um, not because of his parachuting, which is actually quite funny. And another story, my, my dad almost got told he wasn't allowed to parachute because of his ankles. He's got, we basically have got no ligaments in our ankles. So when we're like walking, Every now and then you'll just see us roll our ankle for absolutely no reason. It's like, why? My missus finds it hilarious. She's like, why are you falling over? I was like, I don't know. 
my ankle just gives way for no reason. Um, but when I wake up in the morning, I'm literally like a 70 year old man. I'm like, ah, just getting up. She's like, what's the matter with you? It's like, dad, I'm old. She's like, how old are you? I'm like 34. But I feel like I'm 80. <laughs> oh, yeah. Five and a half years. Can you imagine if I did the full 22? <laughs> I always tell my civilian friends, it was just like, it, you got to start counting those years you do in the military as like dog years. Yeah. Because it's like for each year in, it's like, let's just knock seven to 10 years off your life. Like, <laughs> it must gone. be really bad for, for, for women in the military as well, especially if you're carrying uh, like rucks and, and whatnot and all the weight because your hips are designed differently what really screwed it up was when like especially in basic training and stuff like that when they make you front load or like when yeah. you're deploying and you got 50 bags you got to carry so you got to front load your duffels or something like that and you do you get a lot of like stress fractures in your hips and stuff like that a lot of people leave basic training with jacked up hips because you're just not you're not built for it you, but yeah exactly it's like, oh, another I've thing you it, learn to be like yeah i said it to, to me missus quite a few times like when, when obviously when it first came out back going back to women in the infantry and, and whatnot i'm like i'm all for it but they are built different so you guys carrying the same weight as us is not going to be good for for the hips and and whatnot she's like but we we child bear so yeah i know that that's what you're designed for you're not designed to carry a fucking nine stone man on your back. <laughs> yeah, like when I, when I was pregnant, like dealing with like having a 30 pound like pregnancy, like gain, it wasn't the same as having the 75 pound ruck in kit and a weapon and whatever the hell else on my back. It's different. It's different. It's, it's, different. <laughs> it's not all out here. And yeah, it's, pain, it's a pain in the ass, literally. Literally. But again, like if, if women, if they train for it and they can do it and they can push oh, through yeah. it, you know, for it, good job. But like as a, as a woman to those women, it's like, you better do the damn thing. Don't <laughs> like, don't give people the reason to believe we don't belong there that already don't believe that we yeah. like, shouldn't we, be there. Like my, my regiment yeah. is the first regiment in the British forces to open up all uh, genders to all trades you might say and we were the first ones to pass out a woman into the infantry and from what i've seen and heard she hasn't done much since it's like but then again the pandemic has hit so she's been out doing all the pandemic stuff what everybody else has to do knocking on doors and will you take your job yeah cool um but other than that but then again, we're technically in peacetime. We haven't got any active war zones, so she shouldn't be carrying all the weight for no reason. Excuse me. See how long that, see how long that lasts. Yeah. It's, it's if something kicks off, will she be the first one to deploy it out? Who knows? It'd be, it, it, should, it should, no reason not to, but it's also little things that I've seen and it obviously it changes from person to person, gender to gender. Um, when we were doing our pre-deployment and we had the, you, you may have them. Um, we have like amputees in action and, and things like that. The, the ones that are in movie, like movie, I almost said movie films. That's not a saying 
in movies is what I wanted to say. Um, like in um, Saving Private Ryan and things like that, when on the beach and you see the amputees of the blood spraying everywhere, we, we have them on our pre-deployment to try and get us ready for if anything like that happens. And um, we, we were doing a, a patrol in the Afghanistan village and there was a rocket or an IED and there was a family that had been wiped out. And it was a, a, a doll, just a normal, like, kid's doll that was wrapped up that was obviously, and the mum was screaming and blah, blah. We had a medic, a medic that was supposed to come in and help out female, and she literally just burst into tears. And we were, we were on pre-deployment. We knew it was fake. But it was like, ah, oh, well, clearly she can't come on tour with us because she's just broken down. And yeah, it's like, but then again, I've had it with blokes, exactly the same situation. We've I've seen hit, guys pass yeah, out seeing yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we had a uh, IED. Again, amputees in action. I was um, the lead medic, so we ran forward towards this um, vehicle. We opened the back doors, and these legs fell out, and there was a bloke screaming in the back with no legs. It, tell you what, the makeup on it was fucking superb because I was like, well, that is a bit, that's a bit real. Um, but my oppo shut the door. He was like, oh, I can't see that. I was like, mate, we got to fucking save his life. <laughs> can't deal with that today. I'm going to deal with that today. But again, say a similar thing like you just said, I've seen blokes, one of my close mates, I'm going to stitch him up now because he does listen. We were doing a, uh, a medics course and my, um, I want to call him the lead medic on the on the squadron. He wasn't. He just thought he was. And uh, we were doing, he was trying to show us how to put a cannula in. And we were like, are we? I don't think we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to just be there if you need to put a tourniquet on. And But one of the lads is um, very vascular. So he had these veins all fucking popping out. And he put a fucking cannula in. But he sort of missed it. It just fucking... Oh, no, he didn't. He got it in, but he didn't close the valve. So he just said, and one of my mates was just sat there and he went grey. His skin, everything just went grey and he just went, oh. <laughs> You're like, Chris, you better fucking sit down, mate, before you pass out. <laughs> when, when we were going through the female engagement team, we would do our training where it would just be us women from the brigade come together and do like our cultural training and then we would integrate with the infantry yeah. for other days of the week where you do your little like mock village time going in identifying yeah. bombs all this stuff and that's when i started realizing what like there was women i definitely served with that were all about like if combat arms ever opened up i would go but <laughs> part of our training was learning about what the women the afghan women dealt with especially yeah, yeah. when it comes to the men so we had to watch videos of them getting, you know, you bury them in the ground up to their waist or up to their neck, and they just stone them to death. And they're nice guys. There was, oh yeah, and uh, there's like 30 women or so in our classroom, and you know, before the film's like halfway through, and it's reenactments. Like they didn't actually like throw up some like YouTube stuff they found. Like they found like did a little reenactment stuff, and probably 90% of the room left, went and sat outside, didn't want to deal with it. And it was me and it was really just the, those of us that were in the cavalry unit that were just sitting there like, 
shit out. I mean, it's like, this is, if yeah. you think, it, you know, it's life yeah. over there, you know, but it was, it was a real quick thing to realize, like, if you guys can't handle that, like, we're about to deploy to that place. Like, that's where we're, yeah, it's mad, like, how, he, how, how people don't realize. <laughs> that's what happens when you talk with your hands that's why i don't wear them yeah i know I might, like, I might stop because, over here. because my mac the fucking lead is on the right but the actual headphones it goes in the left ear but to be fair i could just switch around but it's left and right um <laughs> But yeah, you're right. It's like, what are you going to be like in like a real life situation? But then again, you don't know what you're going to be like in a real life situation. Until it, it changes when you get that adrenaline rush going. Yeah. Like people can be surprising. The ones you expect to do well can do shit. And then the ones you expected to cry or pass out or the ones that actually end up saving somebody. So you never know when you go over there. But I know during that training, I was um overly disappointed (laughs) (laughs) you know it's just but i guess i get i used to get that as well like when when you'd be on like a training course and they're like on a especially like a medic one and they're like oh people have passed out during this and people just throw up and leave the room it's like oh this is gonna be brilliant and you're watching like oh i've seen worse horror movies than this it's like, come on, give us a bit more. Give us something real. <laughs> yeah. God, I hated those medic courses. I was just bored all the time because I was like, I I brain dump shit. If I'm not using it every day, I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah. tourniquet. Uh, like, you know, and then so I get in there and I'm just like pissed off because it's like, I can't remember which way to crank it. And it's just like, <laughs> I don't even get shit like they're just like his legs are missing i'm like i know and i'm just like i'm just mad at the tourniquet like i just yeah. shut off to the other stuff or like hey he's got a sucking chest wound put the thing on like the fucking adhesive stuck to my feet like, <laughs> just like just mad yeah. and it's like whatever it's like he's dying i get it i'm working on it god <laughs> this is this is not real <laughs> it's real i would have done it i'll do it on the I day i hear him breathing he's i'll fine. do it on the day but yeah we, yeah. we used to have a uh, the uh, the main guy he was ri- for for the medics on the squadron. He was he was funny. He was such a dick. But it was it was good training. He was such a dick. Like you'd be walking through the the squadron hangar and you'll go, oh, you've just lost your legs. It's like get on the floor. Oh fuck's sake! And then you'd get down and he's like, oh, what are you doing? You got it. You got a self Medicare, ain't you? Why haven't you put your tourniquet on? It's like because I'm. I've had, I've just lost my legs. I've forgotten how to do it. Where's me? Where's me Oppo? Why is he not here? It's like fuck off. I just want to go. We had, a, <laughs> we had a female. We had a female medic that I always hated when she was running our courses because she just hated me. Just I think it's just because I was another woman out there, and she was also attached to our cab unit, and so she just wanted me to look stupid so like we'd get out there we'd get this guy all prepped and she'd be like all right are you ready i was like he's done he's good his limbs are like everything's tied off she's like oh no his his tourniquet just fell out like she's throwing shit everywhere yeah, so like, pulled it off. his tourniquet's just gone <laughs> has it would that happen and it's just like that's not real 
Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. You dick. I remember just standing there one time, just staring at her like, you know, this wouldn't happen, right? Well, you're failing right now. Like, well, you know, I'm going to punch you in the face. Like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? You're failing right now. That. You're, you're going to fail in a minute when I punch you in the throat, you dickhead. You know, fail at life. Like, <laughs> you're going to fail at life. Yeah. You're going like, to. Like, I didn't gonna, learn anything during those. You're going to need a no. tourniquet. When I fucking I'm put her in your fucking off. forehead here in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna wrap it around your throat so you can't breathe. <laughs> Actually, me and my buddy got kicked out of a medic class almost one time because he was like, "You want to see what it does?" I'm like, shit, why not, man? So he's like sitting there cranking it, and like, "You're purple, that's for sure." They came over and told us to knock it off. It was just like we do this training every three months. Like, I fucking yeah. wanted to know what would happen to his oh. head, <laughs> yeah. and it did exactly what I thought it was gonna do. He's gone purple. I won't do it. I'll make sure to not put it on someone's head. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah, trial and error here, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Winning with anyone. Is he dead? No. no. Saved his life. Learn something today. That's all we're here for, right? <laughs> That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Well, dude, that I could literally carry on talking for hours and hours, but one, I need a piss. <laughs> and two, I don't want to take up the rest of your afternoon when you've got your uh, little lady running around. That's probably going to need some mummy time at some point. Seeing as it's yeah, still I'm sure she's not choking the dog or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you what, it's been a it's been a fucking brilliant brilliant chat. I've loved it, and I'm going to have to get you on yeah. again, definitely, hundred percent. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Oh no, thank you. The pleasure is all mine, well, and the honour uh-huh. as well. But it's been brilliant. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Anytime. I'll catch you again soon. All righty. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I'll do my best. (laughs) Catch you in a bit.